Yeah. <laughs> no, but thank you guys uh, for coming to hang out, man. I'm a big fan glad, of uh, glad comics and, and uh, tattoos and stuff. So that's awesome. Perfect. This was supposed to happen a month ago, Alex. Yeah. So that's what I was talking about earlier. I actually had the dates wrong, mm -hmm. and uh, we sat at this table. We for sat a long down and time. We were like, I wonder if they know they're gonna be here. Now look down, and I had uh, like a month. I had the wrong date. I had the wrong date. It was on me. Well, I'm glad did we record that glad part? Not on us. Can we do a flashback to that? Were we recording then? I don't think so. It was before we got started. <laughs> Damn. Okay. And then I was like, okay, this week's a wash. And then Nick was like, well, I'll just sit down and talk. And so he jumped on and we had a rad conversation with a buddy Nick. So nice. thanks for coming. Very cool. But yeah, man, uh, how's uh, how's shop life these days? I would say shop life is pretty good. Okay. Staying busy. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I know we're kind of over the hump of uh, the great pandemic mm -hmm. that's been plaguing our society for so long. Hopefully, I yeah. know there's like another variant out there. I'm sure there's always more. There's always more. It's never ending. We're going to be dealing with this for the rest of our lives, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Get excited. Back in my day, we had COVID-1. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? Different variations. Nick, what you flagging me down the, for? The chewing gum in the mic is... Oh, shit. Oh, who's chewing gum? At me. Oh, yeah, don't do that. Just stick it underneath the table. That's gone. All yeah, right. with all my other ones. Hold the wires. Save in place. it for next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have even noticed that. Just the crazy smacking Sorry. noises. So, yeah, the uh, I mean, the pandemic was something we, we definitely dealt with it, uh, and are dealing with. Um, but uh, it hadn't really slowed us down. We've. It's actually kind of rocketed us forward in some ways. Uh, oh, okay. Awesome. Which, you know, there's always like a little bit of like guilt with that it's like why is my business thriving during a pandemic um i guess but, people are reading more yeah, you know? yeah people sure. were stuck at home they couldn't go out they're saving their bar money they may as well buy a book or comic or something comics yeah yeah well i know when it first started i mean like people in the tattoo industry was seen as like a kind of a non-essential thing no offense yeah. um but I know that must have been tough, you know, like obviously people can still come in and buy books or maybe do online ordering. So at the very the very beginning, what, we were shut down for six weeks? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so that's when I put together an online store, um, and I was mailing a lot of stuff out. Um, but yeah, you weren't, you weren't working at all. No, I was coming in helping Wes, like, digitize and pack up and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. we still got subscriptions out and extra books bought and stuff like that, so... That's cool. Pretty busy. Now, you guys didn't have an online store, but I guess before... No, yeah. Um, no online store. And I I mean, the the day the, the notice went out about retail stores shut down, it's like, well, I guess, it's I, time, know, I, guess I know what I got to do. Yeah. <laughs> putting it off long enough. Yeah, pretty much. Well, dude, let's take a step back, man. Um, how did you guys team up and start this endeavor, Sanctum Tattoos and Comics? Uh, it was your idea. Yeah, um, so I'd been tattooing for 10-ish years at that point and uh, wanted to do more. I'd known Wes forever, uh, and we were both big comic book fans. We'd been to uh, San Diego Comic-Con a few times together. And I thought if I was going to do this, I need somebody I can trust, somebody I like, somebody I know will put in the work. And I got this sucker on board and <laughs> kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. So did you know ahead of time that you wanted to open a, a tattoo and comic book store? Yeah, kind of. Um, you know, with a tattoo shop, you know, you have your the spaces where you work, your actual, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, 
station booth or what station whatever and then you have your lobby where people are just sitting around so you may as well have something going on mm -hmm. um and i'd always been interested in opening comic shop uh i worked in shops a long long time ago yeah we we had both worked in comic book shops in the past so we sort of had our vague understanding of how they worked okay um yeah coming into it i was pretty no. sure like starting out like a comic shop can't really support itself just out the door so I figured combining the two businesses would be good. Also, I couldn't split my time between two places. So uh, it was just easier and I accomplished everything I wanted to. What were you doing before, I guess this is a question to both of you guys, what were you all doing before the Sanctum idea came to fruition? I was uh, tattooing at Arrowchild uh, that was over on 23rd Street on Southside. Um, the guy that taught me how to tattoo owns that shop. Um, so it was, it was kind of hard to leave there, but, you know, he was cool and actually closed that shop to come work with us. Um, wow. But, yeah, we were over there for – that shop was open for 15 years, I think. Ooh, oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. A lot of history on well, – that's Now you're the boss now. How's that feel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of, you're the of. boss. Whenever there's a problem, I say, Aaron, what are we going to do about this? Yeah. Aaron. And then I don't answer my text or I go and hide. Aaron, how do we fix the air conditioner? I don't know how to do this. We, we had to do that the other day. It was super great. I love that. <laughs> well, at least it's not middle of July. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. It yeah. Caught, caught it before that. Right. <laughs> so a tattoo shop that had been around 15 years, did you just, you were just like ready to start your own thing and, and branch off and do something else? Or I, was it ending at the kind of no, the same no, time? No, I, no. I just, I'd been interested in it a while. Um, I'd actually been approached by a couple of people opening another business um, and spoke to our current landlord who was kind of, pushing on me too so i figured you know now's a good chance uh, rent was decent okay and uh you know avondale's blowing up yeah so. that whole area man um we had uh or on last week uh john tubbs really mm -hmm. rad dude and so what was the timeline i know that um were you guys bef when you guys opened that space what else was in the shopping center at the time not much um it was shepherd's pet supply and Family Dollar. Yeah, family. I was going to oh, ask so Family, if family Dollar. Yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, there. Um, it was mostly empty. So um, yeah, yeah we were the catalyst. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I guess so. <laughs> so is it Payne? Is that the guy that you're yeah. referring yeah. to? Okay, because yeah. John said he's kind of partners with him, and he's the owner of that that whole strip mall basically. That's, yeah. So I guess the friendship. Yeah, I guess you guys already or you Aaron already knew him. Um, I'd met him before, and then. Just from other people, like talking to me about businesses, I, I connected with him that way, and then he was like, you know, showed showed me the spot and talked it up, and figured that was. He's like, dude, this is gonna be awesome. Be in here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's what he said. Is like, I'm trying to get a bunch of cool places in here. Yeah. Well, he did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, that's rad. Straight he stroked our ego a little bit, I guess. Yeah. You definitely. know, so, and we 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 fell for it. Okay. And here we are. And you guys were already friends ahead of time due to the comic relationship there. We we met at Cave Nine. Um, Shout out Cave Nine. Dude, and our, we could do a whole podcast just on Cave Nine. That's maybe awesome. approximately 2004. Yeah, that seems about right. Yeah. I think that's when we had our first uh, Battle of the Bands. Mm -hmm. And Wes's band was in it. They came, okay. They came in third. Yeah. What was the band? So we were, um, you know, 
suburban kids that wanted to sound dangerous. So uh, we were still city crime. Still oh, city crime, yeah. baby. Yeah. Oh, man. That's heavy, dude. It, it was something. <laughs> like it tingles just <laughs> Oh, um, but yeah, like, so we met through music, and then I don't know how we figured out that we liked, we both like comics. Did you Wes, come into Kingdom Comics when I was working there? Or? No. Wes was, after that, uh, was in, in Cave Nine all the time, you know, for shows he didn't care about or whatever. He came up and volunteered. You know, he, he really put a lot into that community. And then one day he had comics with him. I think it was a cleanup day or something. So it was an afternoon and he was sitting and reading. And I'm like, oh, shit, let's talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it kind of kind of went from there. Then he told me he worked at Kingdom and uh, went to visit him there. And I think, uh, I think my wife got to know him a little bit better, too, because she was Christmas shopping for me or something. Okay. And, mm-hmm. uh you know, she gave him a stamp of approval, so I figured I could be friends with him. Oh, yeah. yeah, way wow, way back when. <laughs> well, dude, yeah, all the history there in Magnolia. I know Faith used to have a spot there and the mm-hmm. Arrow Child right next door. And then um, briefly, uh, can you give me a run through, like, how did the idea to start the um, now iconic venue Cave Nine that was right across the street um, – We've had guests on before. They were like, "Dude, you got to have Aaron on and talk about Cave Nine. Really? That <laughs> you were kind of the spearhead behind that. So, um, yeah, or correct me if I'm wrong. No, I mean, I was I was a big part of it for sure. Um, Birmingham has always had some sort of venue for all ages, or at least punk shows that are kind of under the table. Um, and at that point, we were down to uh, Barnstormers Pizza in Montevallo and house shows. I think, um, and since I'd come from that. You know, always going to like record stores or whatever to shows. Um, I'd always wanted to do it again. On top of that, we were working on ideas for a nonprofit um, where we would you know, help the community and all that. So, Cave Nine started from that. I was friends with uh, Angelica. She was my partner at the time. Um, <clears throat> she was dating one of my best friends, and I mentioned it to her. And she called me one day. And she's like, "Hey, I talked to a talk to this guy. Has a space for rent." And it just kind of went from there what was the space before it became cave nine because i don't know it i don't know that corner before that time i guess that space was empty for years and they would do uh events or have storage in there something like that um i want to say at one point it was a used clothing store okay um i know that in the 90s uh american beat records um which you know mid 90s they did all the punk shows in town they did Anybody touring through that could play a record shop, that's where they would be. They actually got that space um, for 48 hours or something. And uh, we're going to move the shop into there. And uh, somebody that had beef with him, which was pretty normal for that guy, uh, came up with glue in the locks. And then the landlord got mad at Russell was his name. Uh, And so American Beat couldn't move in there. And then Russell, like, fled to Texas. What? I didn't know that story. Yeah, American Beat Records. That's sad. Fled to Texas because somebody put glue in the <laughs> locks and they that's, couldn't. That's move not it. why he fled. But, okay, uh, but. it just happened to uh, all work out that way. Dude, that's crazy, man. So, what was the time span of Cave Nine? Because uh, my my memory's a little blurry there. So we opened in 2003. Um, we were there for God. When did we we shut down? In 2009, I think. 2009. Yeah. So um, six years. Yeah. So we were there for. 
five years, and then we uh, we got a deal to move into uh, the space above Green Cup Books, and that didn't work out because the owner of Green Cup was difficult to work with. Mm. Did y'all ever actually get a show there? We had a Agnostic Front there, yeah, which was pretty big. Whoa, okay. Um, and it's it's an upstairs in a really sure. old building, so it's like you know the floors. The floors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, dude. It was it was probably too dangerous to stay there anyway. Um, and then we got a space. I rented a huge warehouse uh, over on First North, mm-hmm. I think. And um, we'll see. We put a lot of work into it. The whole community came out. And, like we tore up this lot full of weeds and made a parking place. We built stages and like did did everything we could to make it really nice. And then our neighbors were uh, was a place called uh, Old Car Heaven. They came over one day. Uh, this guy Jeff that was living inside the place at the time came over and was like just being rude about everything and uh i finally went to talk to him and he's like you know we just don't want you here like we we're working on this venue that's going to be a multi-million dollar venue and um we don't want this diy right i mean it was was like almost like something out of a movie he's like i don't want you punks coming around here ruining my my investment yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh, damn you know we were still functioning under like the all ages idea and uh you know, we're, we're done by 10. 10 at the latest, people are out. We try to abide by curfews and all that stuff. And he's like, nah, it's all right. I already put in a call. And we had a show, uh, Madball. Oh, my God. Was playing. And uh, the uh, fire marshal showed up. And he, he rolls out and he's like, hey, this has never happened to me before, but the uh, we got a call from the mayor's office to come and shut you down. Oh, my God. And apparently uh, the old car heaven guys were friends with uh, – was it Larry Langford? Yeah. What? Yeah, and they they just told him straight up, we don't want him here. And I think they he said, oh, Larry. They said yeah. specifically, like, you did not have a building permit to um, clear the construction that you were doing inside, which is like building a stage out of plywood. Yeah. And they, they the fire marshal said that without going in or, like, seeing what was yeah. going on inside. Yeah. Just trying to get you on anything. Yeah, yeah he, yeah. well, then the fire marshal never came in. He was actually really nice. He's like, I, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I was told to give you a decease. Uh, was it a cease and cease, desist? No, it's a cease, cease and... business. Yeah. Okay. Something like that. Anyway, uh, and he's like, hey, these are the five things I was told is happening. And it was the five things that that guy had come over and complained about. He never came in to check. Drugs, tattoos, long hair. We don't need your kind. Of yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I mean, there uh, were there was no drugs though. It's like a. I mean, it was no, that no. was a that was a big thing because uh, that it got around. The old car heaven guys were telling people we were selling drugs out of there. What? Oh really? My God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, at a uh, Madball show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. And, sure. Uh, all sorts of stuff like that. And uh, like you said, the fire marshal was cool. He was apologetic, and he's like, "I can't come look. I'm just gonna have to shut you down." Uh, so his hands were tied. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah. "You need to watch uh, the newspaper because they post uh, these public hearings, and you can come out and defend yourself and get back in business." And uh, it was. A full year later, before they had the hearing, and um, hoping you guys would just forget about it. Yeah, I never saw it. I had somebody call me and tell me about it, and um, I had to meet up with this person. And he's like, "Yeah, I was there, and uh, they were really uh, coming down on you and saying you sold drugs out of there, and you did this, and had naked kids up in there." And, <laughs> oh my god, like, dude, all sorts crazy. of crazy shit. So, was it still under the name Cave Nine? Each yeah. time you tried to move it, you yeah. didn't change the name or anything. Yeah, we were we were a functioning nonprofit with like a. Uh, tutoring and um, music classes, art classes, stuff like that during the day. 
Um, so change the name would have been very difficult. Yeah, sure. Well, that's cool that you had the foresight to actually do that. You know, um, we talked to the guy who started Firehouse. Very similar, I guess, to what you guys were trying yeah. to do. Eric, 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 Eric was a big yeah. part of Cave Nine. Like, he was yeah. up there a lot, too. Yeah, like, I, I met Eric at Cave Nine when his old band, uh, Wildcat Revival, used to play. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, dude, that's awesome. Any lessons learned, I guess, he came to you? It's like, when he started getting that, trying um, to get that off the ground, I'm sure. He, it was a Nathan that he and Nathan kind of started together mm -hmm. right at the beginning. I, I, don't, I don't know if they're still pals or not, but uh, uh, and then Nathan asked me a lot, and uh, you know, the only thing I could tell him was like, make sure you have a business license, because we got in trouble for that once. We had it, but it just wasn't hanging up. But still, you guys were able to make it happen. I have so many fond memories, you know, uh, Nick's over here, uh, Run Sound, and both of us, dude, like all the shows. And it's so cool that you were really adamant about making an all ages thing because, like, obviously we were too young to get into most clubs and stuff. They were twenty one and up, and it's kind of hard to find a good place to go listen to music when you can't really spend money. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like we're broke. <laughs> yeah. We're still in high school. We all piled in the one friend we had who had a car that could drive downtown, and um. You know, but you had to have gas money. You had, you had to have, have gas, gas money. money. And usually the you know, the mission to get in, because I know you guys were adamant about paying the bands that would come and play. So it was pretty mellow cover, you know, yeah. five, ten bucks. Yeah, I think I think we capped out at fifteen one time and felt really bad about yeah. it. Yeah. But um <laughs> man, so many rad shows and uh kudos for everything that you did. Yeah, and that was cool, man. It was a lot of fun. And it wasn't until recently, um, uh, you know, just following you on social media and your tattoos and stuff that Somehow I figured out, you know, put two and two together that you're the guy that behind was behind Cave Nine, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, I feel I feel weird talking about it sometimes, so I I don't like put it out there. It's not on my sure. Instagram well, you should be proud anything. of that, man. It's like that's Birmingham history, you know. That's like so you know, cool. You're a Birmingham punk legend, Aaron. I was on the Beham Wiki for. A I mean, <laughs> well, you deserve it. You fully deserve it. Um, I don't know. You run into enough people that have bad feelings about it and you know at this point really what do you mean just people who had like gotten fights or something or I, you know have bad experiences just complain about it for all sorts of reasons like it just minor nothing reasons um the couches were dirty yeah so you you feel a little weird about oh, it. Okay. <laughs> i mean just anything you feel a little, a little weird bringing it up um and it was so long ago and at this point we've lost a lot of people a lot of people have died of you know whatever reason so you, i don't know there's a weird connection there that are, i'm like yeah. i just don't want to like hey it's me the cave nine guy you know yeah sure yeah. that's fair yeah now you're the sanctum guy yeah you're yeah. The, you're totally the sanctum guy that's, that's fine sanctum guy. pays me so <laughs> right well fast forwarding um uh what was your start uh you mentioned kingdom comics mm -hmm. earlier uh was that the first comic book store that you worked at uh yeah um i started working at kingdom comics are they uh, still around? No, they are not, they're sadly. Not. Um, when Sanctum opened, uh, Kingdom was still closed, and um, they closed in 2019. They're still open. That's what you mean. Uh, when Sanctum opened, <laughs> uh, Kingdom was also uh, still open, and they closed in uh, 2019. I think the owners were just like ready to retire. Um, they had been open for... 16 or 17 years oh wow Dang. yeah um i mean i started hanging out there when i was in high school so 2003 about the same time i was going to cave nine and i knew the owners of kingdom comics from you know previous comic shops that they were involved in um captain comics um i mean the comic scene we've talked about this before at the store the comic scene uh, family tree is very well connected i mean uh, so aaron worked at the comic strip 
And we figured out that he was working there when I was going in as a kid to buy comics. And I probably bought comics from Aaron at the comic strip when yeah. I was younger. And um, so you can trace like the comic strip got funneled into Lion and Unicorn, and then there was a branch off into Captain Comics, and that... Um, these are all stores, because I'm not familiar with any Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, these, these are all Birmingham-based comic book stores gotcha. from the past. Okay. Um, what was the first comic book store? Um, Curious George... Yeah, I know. The first one was actually Lion and Unicorn. Okay. Uh, and Curious George opened around the same time. Cur so, the owner... The former, Curious George. That's such a rad name. Yeah, That's Curious so Curious George's Comics, or Curious George Comics, the... Oh, um, the Fort Park... The former owner of that store comes into um, Sanctum, and he told me that he opened the first comic book store in Birmingham. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, I, I guess uh, no. I right. uh, I'm no. sure you're up on your history, right? So yeah. anyway, like it's I mean pretty much like especially between me and Aaron, um, every comic shop that has existed in Birmingham has a vague connection to all the other ones in some way. Um, but yeah, so. When I was a child, I hung out at Line and Unicorn and um, Captain Comics and the comic strip. And when Kingdom Comics opened, uh, the owners had known me as just, you know, a comic book kid who was hanging around and asked me if I needed some, you know, uh, after school work. And um, I hung around there for like half a decade working um, until... I had to like get a real job at a bar. Uh, the comic books run run deep, man. Yes, <laughs> you got like, Um So yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I've been reading comics my whole life, and um, I had that experience um, working at Kingdom Comics and the folks who own that place. You know, they taught me a whole lot just about the retail side from being there for half a decade. I, I learned a lot. I don't think I would have been able to operate Sanctum if I didn't um, glean uh, a lot of the information that they were able to pass on to me. Sure. Yeah. Um, they, they helped us open up, too. Like, mm -hmm. right in the beginning, before we had any um, wholesale accounts with anybody, they they ordered everything for us. And Really? Yeah. Wow. Dang, that's so rad. Yeah, I mean, that is great, rad. Great guy. Yeah, I mean, like, I would hang out at Kingdom Comics still when Sanctum was open. I would just go and hang out there. Um, you know, they were very supportive. And, you know, when we opened, like, I, I thought that they were just going to be a, the big fish in the pond that was always going to be there. And, you know, I was I was shocked when they closed because, um, I mean, they were doing good business. Um, but it was more of a they just made the decision. It was like a personal decision. Okay, sure. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, like, we've been slinging comics long enough. I mean, they, they, yeah. they closed, like, with, with, like, no debt. They, like, you know, were making profit. Like, they were, they were in good shape financially. Um, so they told me. Um, and yeah, they were just, they're just ready to be done. Um, okay. you know, I get it. You know, sometimes you, I, I've done all the work I can do. We finished <laughs> the race here, you know, yeah. you're satisfied. So yeah, ready I mean, they went out on top, I think. Did you know that the, that the end was near when you no, left? I had, yeah. oh, you had no idea. No. Well, so, I mean, I, I left Kingdom Comics in 2009 and, um, I worked in bars for, Mm, long time smooth transition yeah. Honest, bartender <laughs> yeah. yeah uh i mean my first job was a doorman uh at speakeasy uh that's not speakeasy, a bar anymore man no no i love speakeasy and yeah i would i mean i would be sitting at the door reading comic books and checking ids <laughs> real tough guy you know yeah, like yeah. Uh -huh. let me see your id please uh so yeah by the time i had left kingdom you know uh as a, an employee like 
there was a huge gap between um, Kingdom and Sanctum. And uh, when Aaron proposed um, Sanctum to me, I was working at uh, Saturn uh, okay. as, a, as a bartender. And um, I was I was there when they opened. Uh, Saturn's great uh, establishment. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we love Saturn, man. Uh, and I remember when you know, I was bartending there, and I, I, I told... Um, yeah, I told Brian, the owner, like, hey, I'm opening up a comic shop, but I'm still going to get some bar shifts while I'm getting this going. He was super cool and very helpful and, um, you know, kept me on the shift, uh, the roster, as long as I needed so that, like, I wasn't strained financially. Yeah. Strained for time since I was running a comic shop and bartending. But, um, you know, I, I did have, like, a nice cushion there that I wouldn't really worry about money. Yeah. So. Well, that's cool. Oh, there she goes. There she goes. There she is. She's being the worst for you guys. Uh, she's actually been great the past two episodes. I don't know why she's suddenly not acting today, like a little son. bitch. Lola, <laughs> I may just have to hold her. So my dog's is. acting super bad, so she's going to join the show. Oh, hello, Lola. Hello. All right, I'm going to grab another beer. Y'all good? Yeah, go uh, ahead. That's I'll have another one. Time okay. Muchacho? Yeah, just, just whatever. Uh, oh. Muchacho or, or Modelo, whatever. Steve. Steve? Steve, uh, who's Steve? That guy that so gets Spider-Man right? comics on us. Um, didn't he open the first comic shop in Birmingham? Um, Steve Pennington. Pennington, yeah. Yeah, what Collectors Corner? Oh, so he he didn't do Curious George. He did Collectors Corner. Yeah, he, uh, he wasn't Curious George. He was. My bad. The first comic shop in Birmingham was the Collectors Corner. It wasn't Curious George's. Um, the Collectors Corner. Yeah. What year was that? Do you have any idea? Um, it so was, uh, right around. Time of Dazzler number one. Dazzler number one came out and they had a big party. He he loved to talk about that. Okay, I'm unfamiliar. So what is Dazzler number one? <laughs> so it's not the Mumbo number five. Is it? <laughs> this is Dazzler number one. Dazzler, number da one. Uh, Dazzler is a mutant. Um, she um, is part of the X Men roster. Um, she is a disco singer. She wears roller skates, and her mutant power is that like she just shoots fireworks. She can boogie. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I have not seen this in the uh, in any of the films. She's coming. She's she's coming? she's, she's oh, next yeah. up. Oh, okay. I'm, sure. I'm ready for Dazzler. Dazzler's cool. Um, but so I don't want to like get like too boring with like comic history. No man, go for I'm it. Dive deep, bro. <laughs> so, Dive so, deep. So um, comics were sold at grocery stores and convenience stores for the long. You know, it's funny. I got a really funny story. I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm going to come back to he that. He just did. <laughs> Let me interrupt Go you ahead. by saying I'm not going to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> What's your funny... Or is this going to be about hills? Yes. Oh, let's go. <laughs> Hold your thought, though. I don't want you to forget. <laughs> okay. All right. So I, I am not deep into comics like you are. I have a, a profound respect for you them. Got some, we you have got some good stuff on the wall. I was about to say, you see anything on the wall that's worth anything or it should be? Um, I mean, I got a pretty rad Sin City collection. No, the Frank the Frank Miller stuff really caught my eye. I, lo I love the old Sin City stuff. Dude, yeah. Um, I think I've got one complete series that they actually used in the first film. Oh, so nice. I don't yeah. know if that means anything. That's and then I've got yeah. a bunch of X-Men comics. So if, you're, if you want the really yeah, we got a funny story primo uh -oh. Sin City stuff, you got to get Dark Horse Presents. That's when it popped up first. Oh, yeah. okay. So these aren't Dark Horse? No, 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 no. They're so, from Dark Horse, but they're not in the book Dark Horse Presents. Yeah. Where, oh, where Sin City didn't premiered. have its own book first. It was in a serialized anthology called Dark Horse Presents. Oh. <laughs> Way over my head. Okay. But the, Sorry. the first, going back to the Hills Grocery, yeah. um, we grew up in a small town. Well, Nick knows. We grew up in a small town about 30 minutes south of Birmingham, uh, Pleasant Grove, right next to PG, baby. 
And uh, when I was about eight years old, I was thinking about this today. I had to be about eight or nine years old. We went to the grocery store, and sitting on the shelf as we're checking out, I'd never seen comics here. It's just like a small-town grocery store. Mm-hmm. Was the uh, issue number one of Batman versus Aliens. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was like, dude. And so I picked it up, fully expecting my mom to be like, no, we're not getting that. We're just here for groceries. And she looked at it, and she was like, okay. Gave it to me. I fast forward. I don't know what I did with that comic, man. I, that was my first comic book I ever bought. That's now, sad because that's worth like two hundred thousand dollars now. Really? No, I was, I was afraid. <laughs> you should have. I was that like, going. I'm going to tell them the story, and they're going to be like, "Dude, you could have like sold that and been set for life." So, <laughs> you know? so funny enough, uh, at that time, um, Dark Horse would have been had the licensing rights to the uh, Aliens uh, franchise. Okay. So, um, like, they made standalone Aliens comics. Um, on Dark Horse, and then DC and Dark Horse would team up. So there was like a Superman versus Aliens. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. There's also a Batman versus Predator. Um, I didn't see that. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been cool. cool. There's like there's like three of them. It was so good. And they like, now how long did they run? Because I just had the first issue that ended on a like, a, like a cliffhanger. Four issues. Oh, yeah, okay. they, they, they were all it's like, like a small miniseries. Yeah, they're all miniseries. So um, yeah, four to six issues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, we were you were talking about grocery stores. And oh, yeah. So, so rudely interrupted. You <laughs> no, no, that's us. great. I mean, yeah, Batman vs. Aliens, that's intense. That's I wish I had that, though, just for the nostalgia. We I may try. have to get you to, like, I, is that I, something you can hunt down? I know for certain at the shop right now, it. I do have Superman vs. Aliens. It's not Batman vs. Aliens. No, I had the, it had the cover. It had, like, half of Batman, and mm. then the other half was, like, the alien. That would be and, one that we would have to, like, just put on our, um, our list. Uh, this happens a lot where folks will say, oh, I'm looking for an old comic that I remember from childhood or one that I read about online that I'm interested in. And um, you can't order those. They're all out of print. So really? we, we are waiting for people to bring in things that they have discovered in their attic or their closet. That they're, that they're, wow. So, yeah, we, so now that makes me want it even more. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we frequently will buy lots off of folks who, you know, hey, I got this Rubbermaid tub of comics. Like, do you want it? And we'll check it out and you know sometimes there's some some pretty fun stuff in there that we're able to um you know make a uh, a fair offer to the folks and then you know, have it in the store and people will come in looking for the older stuff and uh so yeah i'll keep so just eye. for the record that batman vs. aliens isn't worth like a hundred thousand dollars right now i would say please tell me it's two hundred thousand. if i if, <laughs> if i had to make a professional guess I'm gonna say it's worth three dollars. About three seventy-five. Come on now. I will pay six dollars to have that again. If we find it, we will definitely be able to get it to you for a very affordable price. But you said it's a common thing. A lot of people come in like talking about comics they read as they were kids. Yeah, can't remember. I mean, that's something I have done uh, as a fan. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't know how to take care of anything, so I would just read a comic book till it fell apart. Mm -hmm. And I've track down all of the comics that I have very strong memories of that just disintegrated um, in my child hands over the years. And oh, I, I bet your comic collection is insane. I mean, my comic collection is the store. Is the store. Right. Okay, that's fair. Because um, then at, it's on display. Right. You see. know, at... Uh, His home collection is airtight. Though. Yeah. Airtight. Not a turd, turd in, in it. it. Okay. <laughs> um, no, my uh, my home collection is like very small compared to what's at the store. Just because I get to be in the store all the time, and I say, folks, like, this is my collection, and it's, like, highly volatile and constantly changing. Because um, I do get to enjoy um, buying comics from people and then selling them to somebody else. Sometimes I'll get sad if I sell a comic to somebody. You get attached, yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, ooh. But I can see them being really excited about it, and, like, that's that's pretty cool to see someone just get so jazzed about, like, 
something that has sentimental value to them that they are able to rediscover. We, yeah. We yeah. definitely have uh, the conversation a couple times a month where uh, comics held up and the question is, should I put this on the shelf or take it home? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, just one, in, new inventory yeah. or just whatever. Or yeah. old stuff, yeah. Yeah. One, one that I did take home that I did not sell was a Detective Comics issue was the first appearance of Arkham Hospital, which later becomes Arkham Asylum. So okay. got that one at the house. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like all the stuff at my house, I, I try and keep it like really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Curated. Yeah, just like really curated things that like really mean a lot to me. Um, maybe things that you don't see as often. Because um, the, the things you see all the time, like, I can just, I can get well, that it seems like you would have like a wall of fame or something, or maybe yeah. like a shelf on the top tier where you keep your own comics that are not yeah. for sale, but they're just there as like they're in my office conversation pieces. Yeah, maybe. yeah, they're yeah, in my office. Got a bunch for... of office. I've got some in my station. Yeah, sometimes like, pe- sometimes people books. will will come in and be like, hey, uh, I heard y'all got framed comics in your office and your tattoo station. That can I take a look? Yeah, yeah. and like, can, can I come look at them? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. And people will come and look at it. And them. you open the vault. And they're <laughs> yeah. like, all right, come yeah. on in. Right. And Grab it, a cigar. We'll yeah. sit down. We'll talk about it. Right, yeah. Um, actually, I don't know if cigars would do well on the tattoo. Part. Probably not. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Around paper, no. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and paper, yeah. Well, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sounds like you guys have a rad collection. I don't guess anything on my wall is jumping so, out. Like... When people bring comics in, they'll bring these X-Men number one in a lot. And Look, it's number one. Because it was the most printed comic at the time. I think, I think it was five million. Fourteen million. Fourteen million. Yeah. Wow. So the uh, market uh, is saturated <laughs> with yeah. what I've just got on the wall. Yes. Yeah. So people want to bring. I mean, they're great books, and it was uh, groundbreaking for the time. I mean, it's an important book. Jim Lee just killing it with that connecting cover. So I mean, you got one over there, and then one over there. These these connect to make a like a panoramic image. You gotta like you gotta get them synced up. It's you gotta like, get the other. Two, oh, okay. I didn't even know. Two or that. three. Yeah. Yeah. I just women. randomly had them. So, yeah. Th- it, come on, idiot. <laughs> you don't know anything about comics? Damn, <laughs> man. He's like schooling me. So, um, yeah. This this one here where Cyclops is shooting his I beams, it connects to this Magneto one over here. Um, and then Storm and Beast. I can't remember where that one is. There, in the... uh, there's a Wolverine and then Storm and Beast behind Cyclops. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I've got a few more over behind the bar. So, uh, after I get done, I'm going to like build my puzzle. And yeah. All it's fun. Like. That's cool. Yeah. Dude, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, but people bring them in all the time, and you know they're not worth a lot because there's so many of them. It's a great book. It's an important book. Um, but they get pissed when you're like, I, I can't buy this. This is worth fifty cents. And, really? Wow. Yeah. And they're like, No, it's a number one. No, dude, you don't know <laughs> what you're talking about, right bro. There, yeah. It says it right there. I know comments. I'll just take this someplace where people know what they're talking about. So, I mean, I'm sure that's a thing where you get a lot of people coming in, you know, that discover comics in their attic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, is it at your discretion or, or let me see how to ask this question. How do you accurately appraise a rare comic or notice what a rare comic is? So, I mean, a lot of that just has to do with a, a lifetime of loving comics. I mean, we, we've been looking at them our whole lives. And, I mean, I can just spot one. Um, just on that note, has anyone ever brought one in that you're like, whoa? And they have no idea what they have. Somebody brought in. And you're like, Aaron, Arkham Aaron, Hospital Aaron, I know you're tattooing. And... Tell that guy you're done or just hit the pause yeah. button. You got to come <laughs> check this out. I mean, sometimes, yeah. We're like, I mean, people, uh, one time, uh, 
some uh, a couple of women came in with like a stack of comics and it was like some richy rich stuff and then just mixed in was the first appearance of doctor strange and like i think both of our eyeballs just like popped out of our heads really yeah and we had that in the store for five minutes we we we, we bought it from this woman and then there was someone in there who, who bought it on the spot immediately yeah immediately damn like they, they were trying to buy it i said listen i just need one second can i just go in my office and hold this for like a couple of minutes that wasn't one you're just like ah this is gonna be a shop shop owned comic i mean it's that's so that's the thing is you open a comic shop to sell comics if you if you open a shop to collect comics i can't pay my electric bill yeah you know like i gotta buy groceries you know yeah but you can sell 99.9 percent of your inventory <laughs> put that one in the rare but then still have the rare you know behind the bulletproof glass right. up top they're like i saw someone say you can tell a comic shop is good when they don't have any rare comics because they sold them all. Okay. Um, sure. You know, if you go to a comic shop and they're just littered with like very desirable, rare, um, sought after issues, it means they're not selling them because they're overpriced yeah. or they're just not selling them. And that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool to have that collection for them. I bet they're really stoked about it. But I mean, are you, is it Don't a Don't be a douche about it. Are I you, guess is the thing. Are yeah. you running a shop or are you running a museum? Yeah. Okay. I mean, honestly, I would love to run a comic museum. I think you could have a little bit of both, yeah. though. I mean, you know, like just have some. I don't know. I don't run a comic shop. I don't know. <laughs> but I just feel like some of those super rare comics, you know, they're cool at your house, but it's like, dude, I could put them up on my shelf for people. Other comic lovers could come in yeah. and at least see them. And then maybe you have that, that, like I have that this, golden eagle that comes in and yeah. is like, dude, I'll give you a million dollars for it, you know, <laughs> or make you an offer that you just can't say no. Yeah. You know, I, have okay. a, I have a fantasy about a comic museum where. There are rare, you know, you have this the beautiful display case, you know, with the, the wood and the, the trim and, like, the lights that won't damage the ink. And you can you can see it right there, you know, behind the bulletproof glass. And then, um, you know, down, then you have a flip book where it's uh, high-res photocopies, not photo, high-res scans, reprints of every page. So you can, like... So you can still read it. Yeah, so you can read. Yeah, that's a good idea. So yeah. you, can, you can flip through and read it, but, like... There, there, there it is, and here are, here are the high-res scans of it. Like, I always thought that would be really cool. Um, I went to... Uh, is anybody doing that? <clears throat> there, I mean, there are... Um, comics end up in museums. Um, I went to Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle um, last year, and I went to a panel about comics in museums, and they were talking about how Art Spiegelman's mouse was curated in a museum and it was every single page and they talked about how it was so interesting to see it was just a conveyor belt of people they would stand and read this one page and then just move to the next one and it was just like as reading the story yeah yeah um and someone's like that's the most inefficient way to read a comic book (laughs) (laughs) but i mean like you know it's like it's art no mouse is one of the most important comics like ever written it's beautifully made um, what is it? Mouse is by Art Spiegelman. Mouse. Yeah, okay. M-A-U-S. Um, there's actually some um, some news about it recently about being a Tennessee bandit from uh, some school libraries. I heard about yeah, that. So yeah, so it's, okay. it's called Mouse, A Survivor's Tale. Um, it is a, uh, it's a comic book about the Holocaust. Um, uh, the I night, do remember that. Yeah. Shout out to my coworker, Jeff Moore, who is like a huge comic book fan. He needs to be, he's the one who needs to be here for this. I know, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Nick, but... 
You're good. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, but, Nick. No. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. You, you suck, but Jeff needs to be here for this. No, yeah, no. no um, yeah, Jeff's a regular of ours. Um, he's a good guy. Uh, yeah. I've known Jeff for a while. Um, knew yeah, him. I work with him. Oh, yeah. cool. Far out, small town. Small town. Yeah, yeah I mean, small I, world. I knew him. I met him when I worked at Kingdom Comics uh, okay. um, way back when, and then um, he became a customer at Sanctum down the line. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I've known some of our customers for a long time. Yeah. From, like, you know, seeing them at Kingdom and then down the line. Well, going back to Mouse, I, I do remember him posting some stuff on social media about the controversy or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I think he's got that series or maybe bought some of those. Has the price, when things like that come out in the news, does it... Do people like scramble to yeah, get is a the copy? market Does do you see up? spikes and so stuff with mouse specifically no um that is a unique case um because was mouse ever serialized i feel like it was a long time ago but it was such a low print run if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. that it was pretty quickly collected into full books right so with comics you have your your single issues that you have here on the wall and then you have your collections so they finish the whole story in single issues and they they make the collection of it um is the, that what they would classify as a graphic novel yes okay um so i would say the the vast majority of people who are reading mouse um are getting the trade paperback the graphic novel okay. um now when that did happen it what we we have carried mouse um, in our shop since we've been open day one. I mean, it was one of the first things that we made sure to order. Um, when that happened, there was a huge spike in demand for the trade paperback because of the controversy. So we had trouble getting it from our distributor, Penguin Random House. Um, but I mean, they just cranked the printers and made more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't see any like wild secondary market price spikes on it but it was hard to get for a second um there was a comic shop in tennessee i think i want you to fact check me on this uh nirvana knoxville Knoxville, uh nirvana comics i think and they um they had a uh, a drive where they were giving mouse away for free for anyone who came who came to the shop and wanted it because since the school system was trying to keep it out yeah so i mean they were probably ordering pallets of it um okay yeah um and, you know, they had a lot of support. I think we donated to that campaign. Um, so, yeah, with Mouse, there was no, like, a collectible secondary market spike. But um, you do see that a lot um, with, like, superhero stuff, right? So, um, you know, there's a new Doctor Strange movie coming out. So older Doctor Strange comics are really desirable. Um, people want to read these old stories and see what they're... Um, material they're using to funnel into the narrative. Um, when that Spider-Man movie came out, um, I mean, our Spider-Man inventory was just wiped out. Um, we we sold hundreds and hundreds of old Spider-Man comics. It's, yeah. it's just like, I'm still recovering. <laughs> like, my inventory is still weak on Spider-Man because so many people bought them. And so, you know, when you see these characters pop up in, this, in these movies or TV shows, people create these emotional connections to them so they want to go back to the um the furthest point back uh, in in the comics you know and see if they can um get as close to the origin as they can and so yeah that'll drive up prices that's so cool because it's always refreshing the market there's always somebody new of like that's so rad yeah that's that's very interesting it's it's it can be a fun hobby yeah for sure yeah well, that was my next question. You kind of answered it before I could ask. Was you know with the the slew of Marvel movies that we've seen come out? I guess that can only help, 
you know, the the demand for comics and yeah. like you said, wanting to go back the and longevity hear of... the origins and a lot of the movies do they stray too far from the from the stories that are originated in a lot of the comic books? Not now. I mean now they're getting more and more accurate, I think. Okay. But that's because there are so many like origin stories of everybody, you know. There's there's well established multiverse stuff, so even if a movie doesn't have the accurate origin here, it'll be for another book, you know. Okay. Well, so. we got the the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness coming out, and mm-hmm. I guess that's just opening the <laughs> yeah. the door for like, hey, we can get all these different actors to play Iron Man. We can get all these different actors to play yeah. Spider Man. Everything blah, blah, blah. counts. Like, Everything counts. And it's all canon. Yeah, it right. all works. You know, it's crazy. The cool thing about comics as a hobby, though, is that like it exists, um, like as like a collectible hobby, but then also as like a a, a reading hobby. Um, this Batman movie came out, and I had someone come in, and they said. I have never read a comic book in my whole life. I want to read a Batman comic. And they don't care. They didn't care about buying an expensive old one. They just wanted to read a Batman comic. And I said, so you, you saw the movie? They said, yeah. I was like, well, we're going to get you Batman Year One by Frank Miller. did uh, Sin City. And uh, it's like they pulled a lot of narrative threads um, for the movie from this comic, if you like. You're like talking the, about the Robert Pattinson, the, yeah. the latest. Yeah. Okay. The Batman. The Batman. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, if you if you enjoy that movie, you're going to love this comic. And um, he seems stoked. So, like, that, I love that. I like when people are stoked about reading a comic book because they saw a movie. Like, that is very exciting for me. So, you're rock and rolling at Kingdom Comics. Mm-hmm. You're tattooing at Arrow Child. Uh, the venue music thing runs its scene. Are we rolling? Are we good? Cool. Um, and then you guys decide to... At what point did you decide you wanted to break off and then approach your boy and say, "Hey, man, let's start our own thing"? Uh, for a while, like I, I'd, you, you know, you have that list of things you really want to do, at as a career or whatever. Tattooing was on there. I got that. Uh, running a music venue was on there. I got that. Uh, owning a comic shop was on there. So that all was, the cool things. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, was there ever an idea to have all three under one roof? I so, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, this, this tattoo sell comics upstairs, have a music venue downstairs. I mean, this uh, I would say a fantasy that we have. I mean, we've talked about it a few times. We've talked, we, we've talked about this, and I'm just gonna put this on the record and say this will probably never happen. But we would love to run Sanctum Tattoos Comics Arcade Music Venue. Um, like, do you remember the Foot Clan headquarters in the Teenage Mutant Turtles movie? Uh, yes. Okay, so for those of uh, the OG movie, or yeah. are we talking about uh, Secret of the Ooze? Corey Feldman. Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> um, OG, you know, just a warehouse with like skate ramps and like a bunch of arcade cabinets and like a bunch of like punks and like people doing hip hop sets and there's no bright lights. <laughs> Pizza everywhere. Pizza everywhere. Um, No, yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing, though. Like, if we, yeah, if we wanted to expand and do a music venue and arcade attached to the tattoo shop and the comic shop, we just we need a whole bunch more money that we don't have, Um, and a whole lot more space. Yeah, a whole lot more space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so we have a pinball table um, at Sanctum that I that was that was one of my goals in my life. I need to own a pinball table. Dude, I love pinball so <laughs> this much. Dude. So yeah, we've got room down here. They're just expensive, dude. They're right. So yeah. expensive. So having a business was my excuse. It's like, well, could never fit one in my house. Now I got a shop. But you own it. You're yeah. not doing the mom's thing where they just like lease it from Lease it. Nah, I own it. I drove up to uh Florence. 
Muscle Shoals. No, right. I drove up to Muscle Shoals. Muscle Shoals. Yeah, to, to buy a, a pinball. <laughs> so what's the maintenance like on those? Um, it because that's like the hovering, like scary part of yeah, like why a lot of moving parts. Dude. Yeah, so I have um, I had I only bought the pinball table because I have a friend who does pinball maintenance, and if I didn't know her, I would not be able. <laughs> what? Well, well, now we know him. <laughs> so we know you. you. Get okay, yeah. so if I buy one, I've got a connection. yeah. So if I if I didn't have a friend who did uh, pinball maintenance, I wouldn't have bought one. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have these metal ball bearings that are just slapping against everything and just destroying it constantly. So like, I don't know how to solder. Like my friend does. Oh, soldering's easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, Jeff can teach you. Oh, great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know. Um, so sometimes like things break. You have like a drop target. It'll break off. You have to buy a new replacement part off a pinball. So you've had to do some oh, minor man, popsicle stick yeah. right there <laughs> and rubber bands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah. We've um, yeah we've definitely done some maintenance. Uh, um, you know, take the glass off. So you got to replace. Um, broken targets. You got to um, put new um, rubber bumpers on everything because those degrade over time. And anytime a pinball hits a rubber bumper, it a little bit will rub off on it, and then the pinball is taking the fragments from the bumper and smearing that all around um, the pinball table. And then you have to clean it um, because so you get rubber dust. I yeah. Guess, have you ever seen like an old? like dirty pinball table like where you can't see the image anymore it's because it's never been cleaned because okay. because all of the rubber rubbers have degraded and just been smeared all over the table by the pinball so you have to clean clean the table often i mean yeah it's just wow it's, you know a lot about pinball machines yeah, that's cool oh i mean i own one so <laughs> yeah i mean it's just like a, it's, it's just a giant rube goldberg machine yeah you know and like it's just well, so many moving parts like it's it when you get under you get in one and look at it it's wild it's, yeah. um, it's, I've seen a few YouTube yeah. videos where they open them up. And... Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, if w it would be great if we could open an arcade and music venue attached. That would be something that would really line up with our passions. Um, realistically, if that never happens, it'll be okay. I think you guys will get there, man. Maybe. You know, that yeah. could happen. That could totally happen. <laughs> right. I mean, we, we've both been heavily involved, are involved in, like, music venue life. Like, I still... Um, volunteer at the firehouse at Eric's place. Yeah, you know, okay. um, and you know, we did Cave Nine for so long. Like, if we don't have another venue, it's gonna be okay. Because like that, that's not like it's it still exists in Birmingham. And you know, I can just go to Mom's and play pinball. Sure. Like, or I can go to Paramount. Like, I don't like. Come from the guy who already owns his own pinball. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I've got all the high scores on it. No one can beat me. Right. So uh, I was gonna ask who holds the high score. Me. Okay. <laughs> By like a lot, or yeah. Like, oh yeah, I have every single high score. Yeah, okay. like one, two, three, four, five, all, all of them. Oh, like dang. every initial on that machine and says ASS, ASS, SEX. Yeah, it's a it's a Batman pinball table. So of course I've got the Batmobile Speed Challenge Championship. I've got the Gotham City. How many hours do you have in this machine? What do you? I mean, you've watched me. You watched me do it. How many? You think? Not as much currently. Once and you got the scores, he kind of. And are these back, business but... hours or after hours? <laughs> a little you know, bit yeah, of both. It gets, okay. it gets slow sometimes. Yeah. Okay. You got to kill time. Now, Aaron would be like, hey, uh, I just saw the. Um, I got a notification that the alarm got turned off. It's like three o'clock in the morning. Are you at the what shop? Are you, what are you doing? It's like, I'm playing pinball. It's <laughs> funny. Well, dude, let's go back to uh, when you guys finally decided to pull the trigger. Um, you guys had a space uh, kind of lined up for you, it sounds like. And. Um, when you guys first opened, how was the business 
structured? You know, I mean, is it just one umbrella with uh, with comics and tattoos and everything? Uh-huh. Is that how y'all initially yeah, I mean, started? Yeah, pretty much. On paper, that's how we are. Um, otherwise, like, Wes is in charge of the comics, and I help as much as I can. Then I'm in charge of the tattoo shop. You know, so it's it's we're working with what we know. Yeah. And any time I can spend up front, I do. But otherwise, most of my time is spent in the back tattooing. Um, but overall, it's you know straight up fifty fifty. We're doing all the work we can to help each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was like, man, you know, tattooing in and of itself can be very time consuming. I'm sure you know, booking clients and everything. I was kind of curious what the crossover between you know doing comics and doing tattoos and what your role was if you were actually if i could if i would ever see you behind the counter you know oh yeah helping yeah. somebody find a book or you're maybe seeing you help prep his table before he's about to tattoo somebody or something i, I don't know <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty ignorant of like tattoo protocol like i know how to help someone fill out their paperwork if they're coming in to get a tattoo uh i can answer some very basic questions if someone walks into the shop looking for a tattoo and Aaron's tied up with a client, you know? Okay. That's not entirely true. He knows a lot more about it than he lets on. He deals with so many people calling and coming in and asking questions. That's a job in and of yeah, itself, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge thing, and it takes a lot of pressure off of me and Justin and any other artists um, so that we can actually do what we need to do steadily, you know? How many tattoo artists are there? Two full-time, me and Justin right Justin. now. And we have two apprentices at the moment. Okay, cool. So you guys are staying busy on the tattoo side as well as I know we've talked a lot about uh, the comic book side, but yeah, sometimes um, you know Justin and Aaron will be tattooing and someone will come in. It's like, hey, I'm trying to get a tattoo today, and I was like, ah, we're booked up like six weeks in advance. Like, oh, for real? You can't do it today? I was like, no. I mean, like, yeah. everyone's tattooing right now. Like, we're tied up. <laughs> people, people that want walk in expecting to get tattooed immediately are. Very pushy. Yeah, <laughs> I've never understood that. No, of just like, yeah, I'm gonna walk in here and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a whole sleeve done today, and I'm gonna tell them my ideas today. Yeah, we're I, gonna get I it think done. right now I'm booked out three months or so. Like, I'm yeah, booking, I'm booking in July right now. Wow. Okay. And people, you tell them that, and instead of being like, oh, that's great for you, it's like. <laughs> <"Pfft."> <laughs> Bro, I ain't got three months to wait, man. Come yeah. on, it's just a little something. Can't you get me in? No, <laughs> I gotta go. Do a podcast. I can't. Tell you. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Are you guys closed on Mondays? Yeah. I drove by the shop. I was gonna pop in and introduce myself, and I was like, "Well, they got the gates up, and maybe that's why we scheduled it for Monday." That's why we're yeah. here on a Monday. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> um, three months out, dude. That's crazy. So, I guess the the tattoo side's doing well as well. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Can't complain. That's cool, man. It seems like uh, I know your Instagram handle is Sanctum Art, and it seems like a house of art. You know? Yeah, that's uh, that's sort of like the like shooting from the hip explanation people will come in and say oh wow i've never seen a comic book shop and a tattoo parlor together and i always go yeah you know it's it's art and art man yeah yeah um yeah we 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 love a variety of uh art and across different mediums so it's just smashing together what we like is there anybody else I guess not local, but anybody else in the country or that you guys know of or maybe drew inspiration from, they were kind of doing the same deal? I mean, Since once we opened, um, one thing that we started doing is we ask uh, comic book artists that we like to design shirts for us occasionally. Excuse me. And uh, in doing that, I've spoken to a few artists, uh, a guy in Seattle. There's a shop up there. 
uh, and an artist in Austin said that there's a tattoo comic shop there as well, but those are the only two I've heard of. Okay. So I think approximately in America, there are 3,000 comic book stores. And so that doesn't seem like a very large number. You know, it's, yeah. it's you not know, like compared to like the number of coffee shops right, right. we have or, or whatever. 7-Eleven. Ridiculous. So, but then there are three comic book shops and tattoo parlors. So that are like partnered up. Yeah. So with like one, we're in the one percentile, I guess, is my, yeah. math, is my yeah, math right there. Like that, well, yeah. that's awesome, man. <laughs> you know, if it's tattoos and comics, that, that pairs pretty well. You wouldn't yeah. see a lot of like tattoo slash hamburger shops or something, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> you wouldn't go to that tattoo slash hamburger shop. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suck on this chili dog while I'm getting a tattoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, the do. number six combo comes with a flash sheet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think part of our inspiration, too, is probably Seasick Records. You know they, um, oh, yeah, yeah. you know they, uh, they have the uh, the classic cut um, barbershop uh, and yeah, the, that works with, well with the record yeah. store. Sometimes people will joke, it's like, man, y'all need to switch places. You should get the the barbershop in here with the tattoos, and then get the comic shop in there with the records. Oh, I'm sure that'd be a, like a, a nightmare trying to. Yeah, it's like why? I mean, it's like well, I mean, they're doing their thing, we're doing mm-hmm. our thing. Like and it's we, all in the same shopping center too, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like I mean. Just just walk twenty feet. Right <laughs> I don't know. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. We uh, one of the people that were talking to me about opening a business were actually talking about opening a barbershop slash tattoo shop. And he was kinda, you know, pushing it a little bit and uh he got to me one day and I'm like, you know, I'm already committed to this other idea, tattoo shop and something else. And he was mad. He was super mad because he thought I was stealing his idea. Oh, this is um, before the sanctum yeah. came around. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was already trying to like scope you out and make you yeah. join his team. Everybody loves Aaron. Everybody wants Aaron. Everybody wants a piece. Can't have <laughs> Yeah. I got the piece. <laughs> Back up. Well, dude, it seems like the shop's doing really well. Yeah, so yeah. So that's awesome. And the whole the whole um It's gotta be the, the dream. whole shopping center. <laughs> like man. younger you is looking at older you like, yes. No, I mean yes. you own your own not only a, ca- a tattoo and comic store, but like a rad store. Yeah, you know what yeah I thank mean? you. Like it's like a cool place. No, I mean I think it's definitely like I have figured out how to make a living off the things that I love and I feel very fortunate to be able mm. to do that. That's and a like, good feeling. Yeah, like um I mean I couldn't have done it without Aaron, uh, of course. Um and yeah, just to have this life. It's it's a lot of hard work. I mean, a lot of hours, you know. Um we got a lot of customers, and you got to take care of them, make sure they get the comics just how they want them, and uh, a, lot, a lot of attention to detail. Um, but it's, it's great. I love it. Yeah, yeah very lucky. Right. Well, I know they have a lot of events. Uh, recently, they had, I think this past weekend, they had the Mom's Vintage mm-hmm. thing, and it seems like they're always doing something. You know, I didn't even know about this recent thing. I just drove by and saw mm-hmm. it. And Decided to swing in. I didn't know about it either until I came to work. Until you came to work? <laughs> in the parking lot. I was no about to say, uh, with all the different things going on, having seasick down the street mm-hmm. or right down the sidewalk, and then, you know, you have a place like Ore that sells all kinds of things, and you have a bar like Mom's, you know, all rad places. I mean, I guess that can only help as far as the foot traffic that, now hey, you, let's, let's float down here and check out this place. Now, I mean, um, on days like Mom's Vintage Market or if Cahaba Brewery is having a... Uh, a craft bazaar, um, we definitely see our walking numbers shoot up. Sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, um, 
it, yeah. Uh, yeah, people, people. Maybe you don't know about it until you get to work that day. And you're like, dude, we got a lot of customers. <laughs> right, what is happening? <laughs> right. Oh, they got a crawfish boil, you know, going yeah. on at Cahaba. Or and you know, sometimes like it's great. Sometimes it is a problem. Like if there's a, a show or something at Mom's, you'll have drunk people roll in. And oh, yeah. So we we started closing a little earlier. Um, what know, are you, What are your typical hours? Noon to seven. Noon to seven. Okay. And that's uh, Tuesday through. Are you guys open on Sunday? Yeah, um, Tuesday through Saturday we're open noon to seven, and then on um, Sunday we're open uh, noon to four. Um, we've had someone uh, named Hannah who's been working with us and man in the shop on uh, Sundays, and they've been very helpful and uh, very happy to have their help. So sure, yeah, they're yeah, great, man. They're yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it seems like a small team to be doing like as much as you guys are doing. You know? Yeah, I feel like if we can. I don't know, pick up a little more business. We'll probably bring on extra help just so like Wes can take time to make orders or, you know, check stock and things like that. And if I'm tattooing, you know, that one extra hand is going to be great. But, you know, who knows when that'll happen. Do you get a lot of people that come in that get draw inspiration from comics they've read or y'all have more comic influence tattoos that you do? Yeah, it definitely picks up, has picked up a lot. It's like, hey, if I'm going to get a Spider-Man tattoo, I think I'm going to go to Sanctum Tattoos and Comics. That would be the <laughs> yeah. place to go. I would hope I would hope that's where they would go. But, yeah. Um, I mean, that's what I like to do. So I try to – I push that a lot. You know, if somebody's like, oh, I really love this book, I'm like, you know what would look good. <laughs> <laughs> you do – I mean, you're a very well-versed artist, though. I mean, uh, you do comic book tattoos very well, but you, you can do pretty much anything. Yeah, oh, man. I was looking at your work. It's it's across the board. Try, yeah. try to be well-rounded. That's cool. Yeah. Did you ever lock in? Alex has been talking about this this book that the Goosebump oh, artist. Oh yeah, did. no, I need to pick that up. It's over my head, but he talks about it all the time. Did you ever go get that? No, I haven't gotten. We yet. got it. But yes, I saw you guys. Posted he needs that. it. Yeah, the the art of Goosebumps, man. Yes, and that is so neat because obviously I'm a huge Goosebumps fan. I've been reading it since I was like 12 years old. Uh, yeah, um, I yeah, I have really fond memories of uh, reading Goosebumps. Remember. Um, me and my dad used to read Goosebumps together. Um, oh, really? Yeah, when I yeah, my dad it. didn't read Goosebumps with me. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you look cool. at it and be like, "What are we reading, son?" <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, yeah, like I have really fond memories of uh, reading the Goosebumps series, and you know, um, when I'm going over, I make, I do monthly orders, weekly orders. I'm ordering stuff all the time, and I remember when I saw that line item. I was so stoked. I was like, "Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm gonna get this in the shop, and like I'm gonna be real proud of it." <laughs> well, dude, it was so cool because the post that you made about it, you kind of went into is like uh, the origin of I guess R.L. Stein starting mm-hmm. the Goosebumps series, and uh, you have to have artwork for the books, mm-hmm. and so you want it to be compelling enough to get young readers to pick up the book, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's a fine line there where you don't want it to be too scary. Or two over the top Stephen King type stuff, right? I mean, it was pretty scary, and it was uh, <laughs> coming from a younger brother, and like, dude, like scary. Monster Blood and like uh, Night of the Living Dummy and all these ones. My favorite by far, uh, uh, Werewolf of Fever Swamp, oh, yeah. for sure. And uh, as soon as I saw this book, I think Nick has it pulled up right now. I was like, dude, that would be so rad to hear about the no the artwork it, behind the books. Yeah, it's a it's a great book. Um, I feel bad now. I can't remember the name of it, but the first one I read was about the supervillain that came to life uh, out of the comic book. Um, which actually, when they did I'm the a blank on that when one. they did the Goosebumps TV show, Adam West uh, played the villain. On, oh, really? Yeah. Um, Dang. So I mean, like they they really like nailed that casting job, but it's like 
Dude, I thought Werewolf of Swamp, both the book and the movie adaptation, was crazy scary. You know, it <laughs> was scary. so good. Too scary. And then Haunted Mask, I had that one. And we had there. walkie-talkies that were like... Oh, yeah. It was and Haunted I was scared Mask. of those. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. They just licensed the Goosebumps name to, I guess, a company that's like Radio Shack. They're like, hey, we're going to make walkie-talkies in the... In the caricature of the yeah, scary. the monsters you know, from the book. Another small world thing is uh, I've never read a Goosebook book. Like I was a little too old for them when they started to come out. But that movie, when they started making the movie, they shot a lot of it in Atlanta. And uh, I got an email at like midnight one night from a friend who does casting. He's like, hey, we're going to have a comic shop in this movie, which they ended up not having. But we need a comic shop guy. Do you want to like send a picture in. So I like I did this stupid like belly out like hey, you know like t- stereotypical. Yeah, and they're like oh the director wants to talk to you. And I'm like oh and then they never did, but it was still like <laughs> I got I the part. That's cool. Yeah, I was so stoked. Dude, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I got to pick that up. Do y'all still have any copies? Oh yeah. Well, okay, sweet. Uh, it's got to go on the wall. Yeah, yeah. It has to at yeah, this point. We'll hook it up. You know, managing your inventory. Uh, you know, I guess that goes across basically all retail. Mhm. But how do you gauge, like, okay, there's a new Spider-Man comic coming out. How do you gauge how much of a certain comic or book or any product, do you guys sell anything besides comics? Do y'all sell shirts and stuff? Well, also, I, I kind of want to jump part. We're going to make this a really you long question. You see where I'm going yeah. with that? Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I, I, I watch a guy who runs a video game store, and they're a retro video game store. So he's very reliant on trade-ins and people bringing in old stock to stock his do y'all also do trade-ins and people bringing in comics yeah, occasionally and kind of reliant on buy sell and trade what people find in their attic right is, so um as far as like curating inventory um i feel like a lot of comic shops probably have a bunch of spreadsheets and i just don't um for our, our newer stuff stuff that we have on the web store we can kind of keep up with right um but it's like um, I could probably figure it out a way to make it easier for myself, but a lot of it is just walking around the store and counting the physical items that are on the shelf. So, and then bare bones, man. Yeah. yeah. So, but like figuring out how much of a Spider-Man comic to order. Um, you need one of those like little clicker things, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Convenience stores, we're just click, 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 click. <laughs> right. So, I mean, we have we offer a subscription service. So, um, you know, if uh, you're really interested in Spider-Man, for example, you'll come into Sanctum and say, hey, I want to read this storyline that's coming out every month um, and these Spider-Man issues, you know, we'll, we'll mark that down for you and we'll, we'll put it in a file cabinet for you to pick up uh, behind the counter so that you don't miss, you know, an episode of the series. Um, so I have subscriber numbers to look at and see how many people have signed up to read this story. And then I compare those numbers to the amount of copies I have on the shelf that have sold or not sold. So, you know, Amazing Spider-Man issue 92 came out this week, for example, and I look at how many I sold. If I sold out, I need to order more 93. Um, if I have a couple left, I can adjust my order numbers to kind of match that or go a little below that um, just so I'm not over-ordering. Um, so it's just I'm looking at sales numbers for every issue every week and then comparing that to inventory. Um and then you asked, like, how many do I know to order? Sometimes I'm just shooting in the dark. Um, five hundred. Yeah, I. Um, I mean, we've been we we've been open for five and a half years, so I have like, I have a pretty good idea of like how many Spider-Man readers I've got, or um, 
any new series. Now, some some publishers like Image Comics is uh, very supportive of retailers, and they'll, they'll offer um, a return a returnability program for uh, a new comic that's coming out. Right, so there's a new comic came out called uh, Ghost Cage. Don't know how many I can sell, but they said the any unsold copies that I uh, don't move, I can return. So I ordered a lot of those. Hmm. Um, so they give me an incentive to yeah. like, hey, put it on the shelves. Mm-hmm. Let's see how it does. Yeah. So yeah. then I see how number one does, and then I'll make uh, orders for issue number two accordingly. Um, okay. So yeah, just looking at sales numbers versus inventory um, is how I curate my orders. Um, That's typically single issue stuff. Yeah. Um, as far as like older stuff, like you were asking about, yeah, people bring in, um, old comics all the time to look at, uh, for us to buy. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's a good question. Yeah. So So, people bringing in stuff, what's this worth? Do you want to buy this? mm -hmm. The older stuff is usually, if it's really good, it's impressive enough to leave an impression. So you can, you'll know if we, off the top of your head, we know if we have it usually, um, you know, if it's just like a middle of the road we, we kind of have to dig for it to see if it's in stock um but that's pretty much it pretty much everything's as far as back issues or just memory stuff yeah. yeah like uh i have a pretty good idea of what is in our like old comics back issue inventory so like because i look at it every day i'm you know i'm constantly organizing and reorganizing our back issues and older comics just because i like order I need order. I can't. I can't keep up. Most. I, I, don't, know, I don't know where shit is because he's always re reorganizing. I'm trying to make it easier to find. I'm trying to make it. But I appreciate uh, more work. concise, more organized. You know, easier to get to that old comic you need in our file cabinet. Um, but uh, yeah, um, we're buying comics off people all the time, like weekly, daily. Just all people coming in with stuff all the time. Yeah. I guess I just can't wrap my head around you know the sheer volume of what I imagine the amount of new comics that are coming out every day. Well, you know, um, we talked about the movies earlier and the influence they've had on comics has the comic book industry or printers or writers or, you know, artists has the com the surge of new comics. Is that shot up in any way? Yeah. And that's, that's actually kind of a problem sometimes because like, uh, not with the Dr. Strange thing, but with, um, different titles in the past you have captain america he's really popular so you want to push those they'll put out a new comic along with the regular line and they'll put out another new comic and another new comic so you have five different captain america titles and it's really hard to keep up with because most people only want the one you know but Mm. i mean it's there can be a little bit of oversaturation sometimes but um as long as you you know you uh keep a beat on it um it all, you, kind of, it all kind of works out. Do you just have like one distributor that you're you're basically buying from, or do you have multiple people trying to sell you their for inventory our, of comics? For our, our major titles, our major publishers like uh, Marvel and DC and Image, we have uh, one distributor for each one of those, and then there's one distributor among those that does like uh, more indie titles, and you know we can find things that way, um, and then there's like mini comics and zines. Um, that go through different publishers. So, so we we work with three to four publishers steadily. Um, distributors. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, distributors. Uh, but there's there's definitely more out there. But for the big stuff, you know, everybody has a uh, contract with you know you can only get Marvel stuff through Penguin Random House mm-hmm. and and so forth and so on. So is that true? Like, if you want to get the major the the lines that people want, 
is it mostly dominated by one distributor? Like, like um, DC official Batman stamped comics? Uh, there's three. So um, okay. you, get, you get your Marvel comics through Penguin Random House. You get your DC comics through um, Lunar Distributors. And then you get um, Image, Dark Horse, um, Boom Studios through uh, Diamond Distributors. Um Spawn's still a thing? Oh, yeah. Spawn's, oh, okay. Spawn's hot did... right now. Spawn's hot right Spawn's now. Spawn's hot. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Sweet. People love Spawn. Spawn is a uh, is creator-owned by Todd McFarlane, and they just, at issue number 301, broke a record for the longest-running creator-run title. Wow. And with that, and with all the popularity he got from that, he's spun out two or three more comics out of that. We so. got Spawn. We got King Spawn. We got Gunslinger Spawn. <laughs> Violator got... had his own like run of comics for a little bit, you know. For, for, yeah, for a little while. Like really small. We had some. <laughs> yeah. Decorate the walls with them. But... Um, um, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Spawn is. Um, people are loving it. Uh, coming in looking for it. Uh, yeah, he's he's uh, still kicking it for sure. Um, like definitely like like the old school image superhero who is still like very. Uh, engaging and um, exciting to a lot of folks, like newer readers, and then people like our age are coming in and like, oh, I used to read Spawn, it was awesome. What's going on? And like, well, he's he's still getting wild. Let's check it out, you know. So yeah, but it's all under the same. Is Seth MacFarlane still the main? Uh, Todd McFarlane. Todd yeah. McFarlane. Yeah, Seth, Seth MacFarlane, <laughs> Family oh, Guy. Okay. <laughs> that'd be so, that, that'd be a wild crossover. What kind of what kind of comic would Seth MacFarlane write for Spawn? See that. <laughs> see, and so that segues into the next question. You know, whenever I come into a, a comic book store, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not regularly purchasing comics, but I would be intimidated to come in and see, you know, like, I don't even know how to speak the jargon. Mm -hmm. Like, what's hot and trending right now? <laughs> Alex would be the one in there reading the comic and then putting it back on the shelf and be like, oh, okay. Now, peace. That's, I mean, we, we tell everybody to come in. As soon, it's like, hey, if you see anything you want to read, read it. Like, we got a couch. Yeah, we got a couch. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, like, that re reading's encouraged. That's how, you, that's how you find what you like, you know, because there is a whole lot. And some people will say, I mean, anytime when it comes in the store, and they, it's a new hobby that they're interested in. Uh, you know, it's just a conversation. It's like, okay. There's like, a, a stereotype of, like, comic book people that's, like, uninviting and, like, oh, you're a girl, you want this My Little Pony comic and stuff like that. And we, we try to stray from that as far as possible, you know. We want to be inviting, open, show people what we love. Maybe they'll like it, too. Or maybe they do want a My Little Pony comic, which we have, you know. Okay. If you want it, we want you to have it. Yeah. And we don't want you to feel like, you're not invited to everything we have. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So we just like keep it casual, keep it relaxed. And so someone comes in and says, I want to read a Spawn comic. And I was like, I got some. Let's check them out. Um, That's wild. That's like, I'm, I'm reaching to the depths of my brain as far as like my <laughs> tattoo or my uh, comic knowledge yeah. of like what I can talk about. Or even it's, it's even something like a little bit like less specific. You know, if someone comes in and it's like, I am interested in comics, but I don't know much about the medium. It's like, well, what kind of movies do you like? What kind of books do you like? I mean, we got sci-fi. We got Is horror. Frank Miller still doing stuff? Yeah. Um, More or less, yeah. Yeah, he's... Okay, I didn't uh, know if he's still a thing. Or... He... Uh, um, he had a, a rough patch a while back where he was very like right wing for a minute, so he kind of got pushed away. But he's uh, renounced his ways and he's more open to things. And but he's so old and has some uh, physical problems that he doesn't. He does, okay. pin, he does pin ups and that's all the art he does now. You know, just basically like one off drawings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I just don't think he has like the physical mobility to be like a. A full-time active comic artist anymore. Sure, but yeah, I mean, he's um, yeah, he's still making art and still contributing to different projects and stuff. Okay. Um, 
But yeah, yeah, we yeah we would just ask you like yeah yeah do you like you like horror comics we got or do you like horror we have horror comics we have sci fi there's something for everybody yeah I know Hellraiser is like really big doesn't he have like a graphic novel or comics or something I don't think he's had anything in a while Clive, yeah. Clive Barker yeah. no we we do have some Clive Barker comics um uh, oh, you're right it's like there's something for everybody yeah. right so it's just uh yeah and so like some some people like to wander and find things on their own um some folks um are very inquisitive and we're happy to have that conversation and help them find something. And yeah, I mean, almost all the time we can find something that someone's stoked on. And yeah, we, I mean, and yeah, it doesn't have to be superheroes. It doesn't have to be metaphysical suspense or horror or anything like that. You know, it, there's something for everyone. Yeah. We have, we have educational comics and sometimes folks just come in and get the educational stuff and we're happy to have it. Hmm. Now, most of the people that just wander into your store, mm -hmm. are they mostly just browsing, looking for, comics or do you have people coming in that are just like approaching it like a traditional tattoo shop they're just like oh i want to check out the i want to see the flash and you yeah know, a little see of both. Yeah. yeah okay i think for for the tattoo shop um we usually for lack of a better description shoot that down pretty quickly because most everything we do is custom and everything's by appointment so you know we're not taking a lot of walk-ins we're not going to have a book of right. crosses or whatever for you to look at, you know. <laughs> so people get people that walk in just wanting something. They they just want to pick something. They don't have an idea. So usually we just you know talk to them for a second and they're out the door. Um, people coming in looking at comics, you know, a lot of them will just come check it out because they don't know anything about it. You know, they yeah. The only other comic shops in the area are kind of hard to get to sometimes, and you know, they they've just never seen one or don't know what's going on in the world of comics right now. Yeah, I've, I've had a, a lot of folks say, I was driving by and I saw comics, so I came in. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we uh, owe that to uh, Tyne Signs. Um, you got a really good sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the sign's awesome. Yeah, so Tyne Signs made our, our top one that said tattoos and comics, and he says, I bet this is going to increase your foot traffic. And he was right. Um, don't you have a glass painting? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah okay. Yeah. So, yeah, just having comics – real big <laughs> that you can see from the street that just gets people in the door and they're like that's ah, one to see what was up and we're happy to show them now besides you guys are there any other tat or any other comic stores there's, around there's still i mean we mentioned kingdom and yeah. you talked about some other cool there's a bob's comics um in trustville and yeah. bob has been doing comics for 40 years yeah he's for a long time like long haul you don't just see comic book stores all over the place yeah know? unless i'm just not keen to that so yeah like i mentioned there are like three thousand comic shops in america approximately i think and it is interesting to think about that like there are these mainstream blockbuster movies and tv shows happening that are drawn from the source material that is not quite as um what's the word i'm looking for um, yeah, it's just like, yeah, there are these huge movies that are out there, and um, the source material is just not as widely distributed. Um, it's not accessible. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know why there aren't uh, more comic shops. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, it is like an antiquated uh, hobby in some ways, and like the, the way I spin it to some folks is, you know, it's kind of like listening to music. You can listen to it on Spotify. You can go watch a superhero movie. Uh, or you can go to Seasick Records and get a record. Dude, Or, or you, you can go to the comic shop and get a comic. Yeah, man. Know? Like, just the surge in vinyl and, mm -hmm. and, the, and the, like, the, almost the resurgence of vinyl, mm -hmm. I guess, if, if you could say that. And I'm not old enough to really know the full-time span, but I have noticed that it's, like, 
you know, an appreciation for kind of these older styles of consuming mm -hmm. media. Have, have you guys seen, I mean, obviously you've been in the comic world for a long time, both of you guys. Have you guys seen like kind of a, maybe a depression and then a surge of comics or has there always been this it's, group of our society that are just like held yeah, in on there's comics? There's definitely you know? a, a community of collectors and they've been steady forever um, with how easy it is to find each other on the internet now. I feel like that's kind of grown. Um, which is good in that if you want to find a comic, you can probably find somebody selling it. Um, and it's probably not great for shops all the time, um, but it's benefited us. I think because we're in a medium-sized city and not like, you know, uh, struggling to pay our rent and things like that. Like, it's fine if we have a lull and it's okay if we get busy. Um, but the connectivity is definitely there, and I lost my train of thought. Um, so as far really as really rad community of collectors, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah, yeah. They're keeping everybody afloat. Yeah. So as far as the the comic comic book medium, it may it got really close to disappearing. I think in the mid to late nineties, uh, Marvel Comics went bankrupt uh, in uh, the late nineties. That was before they started the whole movie franchise. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Nope. <laughs> no, no, no! Spit it out, man. This is an open nope. table. Nope. So, um, so like we were talking about your X Men number one here. That was um, printed in 1992. Two, uh, so that was the most printed comic book of all time. And then there was an oversaturation issue. And then so glad I have that. The pendulum swung the opposite <laughs> direction for the late 90s, where people became less interested in the hobby. I think because like the collectible market took hold of the medium so intensely, and people bought boxes of X-Men number two looking to make a return on an investment and they came back some years later trying to sell it and comic shop said, we don't need it. We have pallets of this in the back and collectors um, who had migrated. We burned these comics to stay warm. <laughs> yeah. it's like they, they had like migrated over from like um, the trading card uh, collectible hobby um, to try and make some money. Uh, and so collectors were coming by to recoup their investment and there was no investment to recoup. And so you had this mass exodus of collectors from the hobby and the bottom fell out and Marvel Comics went bankrupt. Um, Dang, the comic bubble yeah, burst. It yeah. burst. The comic bubble. Yeah, it burst man. bad. Part and, of that was at the at the top of the bubble when Marvel started, they were really making the money, they decided to distribute their own books. But they had all these weird rules where you had to order in quantities of 25. So if you need 30 books, you have to buy 50. You know, And the discounts were bad for shops and it, you know, shops just couldn't make money selling Marvel Comics. So on top of you know money making collectors leaving, shops had to order less, and Marvel lost their ass, and that's when they started selling off all their rights, like uh, to Sony and places like that to make the movies. Yeah. Now that's, were they publishing through Penguin House or they they? There were a lot. Or there joining? were a lot. There were a few distributors in the '90s. Then Marvel spun off into their own thing. Um, that was a uh, Heroes World, right? Um, I, I can't remember what they called it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But the uh, Diamond Comics distributor became kind of a monopoly. They bought up a couple of other distribution houses. And uh, when Marvel went belly up, they invited them back in. So they were the monopoly up until the beginning of the pandemic. And that's when Marvel signed on with Penguin Random House. Mm -hmm. And uh, DC decided to do their own thing with Lunar. Because yeah. you were throwing out Random Penguin House. And I was like, I had no idea Marvel... Or they publish. Yeah, so there. so Marvel publishes their comics. Penguin Random House 
is a publisher and a distributor. So um, Penguin Random House um, distributes a, a lot of material that they do not publish. Um, mm. So yeah, they they're 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 wearing two hats there. Uh-huh. So yeah, um, Penguin doesn't print Marvel comics. Marvel prints Marvel comics, and then Penguin Random House uh, ships them out. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I'm educating myself in the comic book <laughs> world. I mean, this is, this, is like, this is like this is like nuts and bolts stuff. It's, it's like yeah. comics one hundred and one. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean, it can apply to anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure that there's a couple of microphone distributors that if somebody gets in over their head, you'll have one place to buy them. Yeah. <laughs> right. So well, I'm glad business is good. Yeah, it sounds like it's doing well. Uh, one of the last things I want to talk about that I thought was so rad, uh, Nick. If you scroll down on their Instagram page, you guys reached out to this artist that did a drawing, a deadhead drawing of uh, you guys. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know how oh, old yeah, this yeah. is, but I uh, thought plastic. it was the coolest things, and I was like, Zach, we have to do this. We have to reach out to this guy. So I started following him. He's like an artist, and as soon as we get to the photo, it will it, make more It will sense. have been in October of... It's uh, been a minute. There it is. There it is. Back up. Oh, Back up. On the, uh, on the left, right there. I just thought this was so cool. Tell me the story behind this. Did you guys just reach out to this dude and like, hey, man, we, so we'd love to get some pictures. This artist, he actually uh, was helping. Uh, he was doing these pictures for people to fund another book. Um, the, what is the artist's name? I can't remember. Daniel, Daniel Hilliard? H- Hilliard, yeah. Okay. So Daniel Hill- Hilliard, the artist on Plastic, was uh, working to fund their next book, which was called... Uh, Vinyl? Vinyl. Um and he was like, yeah, you, if you want me to do this, throw me a couple bucks. And uh, so I talked to him about doing us for our Halloween thing and uh, drew it up, um, which is awesome. You can find on his page, like, he'll do that every once in a while to help fund something else. Well, he'll show, like, the animations, like, yeah. where he's doing it on his iPad and bringing it up. And I just thought it was super cool because I was like, dude, I'm going to get him to do one of me and my brother, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, that'd be cool. But I didn't know how big a deal he was in the in the he's, world. Of he's comedy. kind of a, a, a newer artist that's not super well known, but I mean, he does great work. Um, he works with on those books, uh, plastic and vinyl. The writer on those is Doug Wagner, who is, if I'm not mistaken, is originally from Birmingham. Wow. And, okay. There's a there's a 12 gauge comics connection there, yeah, and, and he uh, lives in Atlanta. Yeah, 12 gauge comics originally published these. So, Image Comics publishes and puts out books for smaller studios. 12 Gauge Comics is one of those. And uh, uh, Eric Gardner, who is local, does 12 Gauge. Um, and he knew Doug from way back when. Doug actually used to work at the comic strip with me for a little while. Um, yeah, I didn't ask. You guys were talking about comic strip earlier. Where was that? Where was that located? Uh, there was one in Eastwood, one in Hoover, and uh, there's still one in Tuscaloosa, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, it's the it, ones on our side of town, yeah. not around the there. One, the, the comic strip in Tuscaloosa is the last standing comic strip, right? Yeah, there were two mm. original ones, and they started franchising out. Yeah. Uh, one became that one. I think there was one in Auburn. Uh, one opened in Homewood, which then became Captain Comics, which grew up into Kingdom Comics eventually. Yeah. Okay. Um, you keeping track? I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> yes. There's not a test after this, is there? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Daniel Hilliard was super nice about it, and he was excited uh, that he was doing it for a shop. Yeah. Um, so it was it was pretty cool. Dude, yeah. it was rad. Um, 
I, th- I thought it was sick. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, like, you say you gonna get one of us? Let's go. Well, I was gonna surprise you with it, but I wanted to talk to you guys first before because <laughs> um, he was like, "Hey, man, anybody just DM me. I do custom, yeah. you know." Or uh, yeah, Aaron. Individual. Aaron did it as a surprise for us, and he sent it to me. I didn't know about it, and I was super stoked. Dude, I figured you guys have that framed in the office or somewhere. Well, it's digital, so well, yeah. still get printed out. The NFT baby. Oh yeah, dude. I feel like I've learned a lot about comics. I've realized that all the comics I have in here are worthless. But See, they look cool. It's, and, uh, it's not, all, not in order. It's not all about monetary worth. Those comics have artistic worth. Those comics have sentimental worth. Well, I'll tell you what, that Batman versus Aliens I'll issue number one, <laughs> if you can get me that one, uh, that has a lot of sentimental value. We'll make it happen. So <laughs> thank you guys. We appreciate it. Yeah, it was awesome. And if anybody wanted to come and check you guys out or book an appointment to get a tattoo, uh, what's the best way to get go, in touch with you guys? Go to the website. SanctumTattoosAndComics.com Sweet. A well-curated website with all the information you yeah, need. If you want to make a tattoo appointment, click Tattoos, and it'll tell you how to do it. <laughs> you, you have know. to walk them through it. Yeah, I mean, people call a shop and ask all those questions. And okay. You know, you can find out right there rather than calling and, or coming in and being disappointed. Yes, yes. And buy comics online. You can mm. book a tattoo appointment. Come mm-hmm. hang out on the couch, read some books. Uh, it's awesome. I encourage anybody that's listening or watching to come check you guys out. Yeah, definitely. And thank you guys so much for coming to hang out. Yeah, this thank was you. Awesome. Yeah, thank you.